This is a car show, but it's also more, because cars connect us to every part of our lives. Families, careers, hobbies, and adventures we never expected. So you should have a car you love, and we're here to help. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday. There is a ton going on here, and I cannot wait to share it all with you. Much is coming up. You and I are, are like, the year is unfolding before us, and it's madness, and I'm very excited. We've got actually quite a bit of car news up front, two really good car debates, lots of good questions. We're diving right in. Big news, everyone. Did you hear Carlos Sainz is not going to be driving for Ferrari in 2025? Mm-hmm. Some guy named Lewis has taken over yeah, his Yeah, some British guy named Lewis. Yeah, so it'll be Charles Leclerc and this guy, Lewis. The one car, the one like major historic F1 team he hasn't driven for. He's about to drive for them <laughs> in 2025. True. But I looked it up. He'll be 40. He'll be 40. Yeah. I, that's, that's interesting. I, Schumacher drove till 43 for Mercedes. Like that. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, Alonzo right now is about that age. I mean, yeah. you know, they're, they're of that same era. My question, and I'm genuinely asking this question, does Lewis have another championship in him? Uh, clearly the car the last couple of years has not been competitive enough, but with the right car, does he have it? I don't know. I'm, I'm asking. <sighs> All I'm saying is in 2023, didn't Carlos win the only GP that Max I, didn't? I don't know. I, I hear you. What the I'm, heck are they thinking? But okay. Yeah. <laughs> Carlos will land on his feet. We wish him all the best. But we still have a full season. That's so weird to me to announce it now because I think it's going to really be in the back strange. of everyone's mind. Like, I think it's really strange. All the commentary will be like, well, Mercedes wasn't so great this year, but just wait for next year. And so Lewis is just kind of hanging on. So what's his motivation? I've never understood that about an announcement like this. I, it's a full year away. Even when they, I mean, even when they do it halfway through a season, I find it odd. But a full season prior yes. is really weird. But okay. <laughs> Also, we saw that Volvo Cars will stop funding Polestar, the EV sports car business. Hmm. Peter Campbell in Hethel, writing for Financial Times on February 1st, 2024, writes that Volvo is going to sell its shareholding to parent company Geely, mm -hmm. as the latest results show profits are dragged down by the loss-making business. So they're going to let the parent company take care of it. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Parent company Geely has committed to develop Polestar into an independent, strong brand, and apparently future models will be more closely based on Geely systems. Aren't they already? Yes, and aren't they, does like how that much more just closely mean based? they'll be even more like the Lotus products? I mean, let's be honest, but anyway, yeah. Yeah, so Volvo's decision is going to be to cut ties with Polestar because they're trying to boost their share price, which is halved over the past year, wow. and then cut costs across all businesses. So good news, our fun cars are going to have the costs cut out of them. And <laughs> Speaking of Lotus, apparently they're talking about bringing back a, a lease idea. But supposedly as an electric, the thing after the Amira, which by the way, there aren't even any Amiras on the road yet in the US. Let's <laughs> I mean, just let's just cover where we really I are. I understand development okay? probably has started for the totally. next car. But they're but talking about the next car, which might be current. an EV yeah. and might be like a Lotus Elise idea, but done in EV form. I even read one commentary that said they are still even debating engineering wise, are they going to do the flat four? floor of batteries or are they actually going to pilot behind the driver like a mid-engine setup yes yeah lotus would be the one to do that here's the thing if you can make it less than 2500 pounds let's do this i'll take three really i'll, I'll, I'll take three thousand pounds because that's kind of a cayman 911 okay. the hot All cars right. i'll take three lotus should be lighter generally yeah, it should speaking be, yeah. but because it's an ev because you know mm -hmm. make the we'll see wheels out of batteries make everything out of batteries it's, it's one giant batteries. battery batteries Hear that? 
Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armor All, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armor All products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll. Less work, more clean. Terms apply. We're excited to announce a new partnership with Battery Tender. If you park your car for any length of time, you need it to start. The last thing you want is to hear that labored whine of a dead battery. That's why you need a Battery Tender battery charger to properly maintain your battery in your vehicle, give it a long life, and quick starts every time. We're already customers. We use Battery Tender battery chargers on all our cars year-round and especially through the snowy winter months here in Park City. Since 1965, Deltran Battery Tender has been the leader in battery chargers. Their BTP microprocessor technology and quick connect convenience automatically maintains the batteries in all of your vehicles. Lead acid, AGM, or lithium. Keep your batteries in top condition. Visit BatteryTender.com to find the right product for you, including battery chargers, jump starters, inverters, and more. Plus, as our listeners, you can use the code EVERYDAY to get 10% off your order at BatteryTender.com. Our first car debate is from David W. in Grand Rapids, Michigan, writing to us because he's looking for a sports car to buy for an epic road trip with his high school senior car enthusiast. I really like this. This, this email has layers. And I'm gonna Many. I'm gonna jump I'm gonna jump around a little bit here because again he has a high school senior they want to buy a fun car and road trip the fun car so the, yep. the idea here's the thing they're gonna go somewhere buy a fun car so cool. that's why we're debating yep then they're gonna take an epic road trip father and son very very cool super cool love Week this long, right Week long then yeah road trip. then they're going to return back to home which is Michigan and theoretically keep said sports car till the end of the summer and then sell it maybe there's an outside chance Dad will keep it. But there's a couple of places this takes a turn. And one of the ones I want to call out is the back half of this email. <laughs> you I'm noticed, did you? happily reading along about David and his son and their plans. And I have many comments. They're normal-sized guys. They're not, they don't, I mean, they don't have our problem, which is super big people, except his son is 6'1". He's bigger than dad. Okay, so, so they will have a little bit of space. Something to fit, yeah. So they're, they're dealing with that. They're talking about what can we have that's convertible. Manual transmission, ideally, will be reliable enough. They can buy it and instantly road trip it. They're talking about only taking two carry-on bags. So it doesn't need a lot of space. Mm -hmm, lots, mm -hmm. of, lots of little convertibles will do that. I'm just reading, 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 reading about all of his options and all of his things. And then we hit on, I may have failed to mention, I have 12 kids. That came so much later in the email. I was I, shocked. I was shocked. The only David, reason, why didn't you lead with that? The only thing that hinted at that was he said he's owned many 7, 12, and 15-passenger breadbox full-size vans. And when I read that on his list of cars, which was before the reveal, by the way, I thought, who all are you hauling? And then the reveal comes. <laughs> he's like, snaps fingers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I he might and have his wife, and they're 12 kids. So what I want to first off applaud you about is actually getting this one-on-one -on -one time with your son and stepping away and just the two of you having an adventure. But the reason you haven't had a lot of sports cars in your life is because, if you have followed along, 12 kids. I'm going to go to the Jim Gaffigan joke, which I actually do love, where he talked about four kids, where he said, if someone wants to explain to you four kids, imagine you're drowning and someone hands you a baby. So good. So with 12, oh that's even gosh. worse. It's amazing. So we're talking about cars for this idea, which is very interesting. And then I want to add another twist that I plan to follow up on. Okay. Your actual plan here, you're in Grand Rapids. You want to drive some of Route 66. Mm -hmm. I want to talk to you about your route. 
Okay. Okay, good. Well, David writes that this idea sprouted after watching our eight under $8,000 special. Now that used cars seem to be returning to more sane pricing, he says, this is certainly an option with a ridiculous value to fund ratio. So he says older Boxsters, MR2s, and Mm -hmm. Z3s and Mm -hmm. Z4s are certainly options. But David is an Alpha fan, even though he's never owned one. He remembers his only ride in an Alpha Spider 30 years ago, and it was magical. Mm. Magical? Magical? I mean, depending upon what you've been driving in, sure. I suppose. I can see that. Spiders are on his list. Then his inner Paul limiter reset itself, and he started shopping for Cs, because (laughs) one does. He he lands on a price range of about $55,000. He says that seems like it would get a 4C Spider. That could mm-hmm. be an option. Mm-hmm. And so that's the Paul limiter. He's going to sell it. Maybe, maybe he'll sell it. Maybe not. But 55, that's still a really healthy budget. It's a great budget. And, he, and the reason he's thinking that is because he is thinking that this is a short-term investment. Mm-hmm. Buy it, drive it, sell it at the end of the summer. I mean, you may end up keeping it, but sell it at the end of the summer. <laughs> it's an then, alpha, sell it for half. Here's the thing Sorry. I also think, though. <laughs> if you bought something on the cheaper end of the scale, I think you're more likely to keep it. I think, I think you, so, too. If you stretch for the 55 grand, which, let's be honest, we're going to push to 60. If you press... If you really push for that, you could get a great life experience out of it, and you could probably get most of your money back out of it at the end of the summer. Let's say you lose. Let's let's, let's go worst case. You buy something for sixty grand and you lose five. Wasn't the experience worth that? Probably. Yes. yes. For a for a summer blowout. But even without that, if you buy something at twenty, how much more likely is your family budget going to be able to absorb? Let's just keep it. That's a good point. Anyway. And I believe his name is Sam. What if Sam wants to drive it and mm-hmm. keep driving the car they took the road trip in? And That'd who knows? be cool. We'll see. It'd be very cool. David has considered Alfa Romeo spiders, as mentioned, He, but the, the old spiders, the ones that were magical, because he says a wood rim steering wheel mm-hmm. and dash-mounted shifter seem choice. Yes. Analog engagement. That I, seems so refreshing. I, I hear the, the Ferris Bueller reference there, <laughs> uh, but I'm going to tell you right now, you need to buy this and it just run. I agree with that. That is that that terrifies me to think of you buying one to drive it cross country and your choice was a probably 40 year old Alfa Romeo Spider. Yeah. Although I did divide my choices, David, into modern and classic choices. Oh, good. Okay, I great. Kind of broke those it, off just it, as mm-hmm. some considerations because you have clearly driven and considered many cars, many great ones. Practically any one of these choices would do, David. I mean, mm-hmm. really, especially if you don't keep the car. It almost doesn't matter. Just get a convertible. And that's the biggest thing you want. You want a convertible, ideally manual, ideally rear-wheel drive. He says maybe any Gen Miata. He thinks the RF is one of the best-looking cars around, but it's a little on the small side for Sam. He fit much better in a GR86, but that's not a convertible. That leads him to a C5 Corvette, like a Z06. Seems to check all the boxes. They'd be comfortable on the long mm-hmm. haul. Mm-hmm. I mean, a Grand Sport would actually be better. Grand Sport convertible. I agree. I agree, yeah. Room for luggage, manual V8. Seems obvious. But he says that makes finding a good one kind of tough, maybe more likely, but we'll see. He brings up Porsche Boxsters, checks all the boxes, plus mid-engine bonus points. Mm -hmm. He loves that Alpha 4C, just gorgeous, and the lightness factor is interesting to them. Mm -hmm. The closest he'll ever be to a Tipo 33 Stradale, he says, (laughs) might not be that easy to sell at the end of the year. I I don't know. I'm all for something alt and unique and kind of offbeat and... Not the usual suspects. Agreed. The problem is that the convertible ones of those are more expensive, the spiders. And I'm not sure you could get two carry-on bags in the trunk. One, yes. Two, maybe if they were soft-sided. If they were soft-sided, you probably could. If they were the ones with structure and wheels, I don't think so. It's also not a manual. True. 
True. Yeah. He brings up 911s. He's always wanted one and it seats four. You'd be tempted to keep it and sell his daily, which is a 2022 Elantra N. Which is a great choice, by the way. He brings up a Dodge Viper. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think Vipers are cool. Mm-hmm. The question you have to ask yourself is, do I feel lucky? No, just kidding. <laughs> well, do you, punk? <laughs> do you want to listen to those pipes for eight hours a day as you're a week of pipes in your ear? I agree. Do you I, want I think... to listen to those pipes a week with the mm-hmm. top down and the wind and the noise? and the? If you want that, go for it. But I, that, I would, that would drive me nuts. There will be moments when you're so glad you're in the Viper. And there will be moments when you're going to think, why did we buy this? That's my concern with the Viper. I think I think you're really going to feel extremes with that car. He names MR2s, uh, the BMW Z3, Z4, mm-hmm. 350Z, Prowler, Crossfire, Gen 3, Firebird, 944, the FC Generation RX-7, F-Type. I mean, you're kind of all over the map. Yep, yep. And like I said, any one of these cars would fit the bill. They, yes, it would yes. do the job because the whole point is you being with your son and the mm-hmm, memories mm-hmm. and this thing transported us across the continent. Yep, for sure. Awesome. I like that. He asks what he's missed. I think I might have a few. And then he offers up his car history, which you've mentioned already, Todd. He's got some good ones in here. You've had, actually, despite having 12 kids, yes, you've had some good experience with some decently fun cars. Totally. And what's interesting is this is where we have been his fantastically bad influence. As he said, listening to this show and the community around this show has encouraged him that he can still get something fun. And he is, he is saying, I'm here to tell you, you can have a huge family and a car that doesn't work for all of them. Yeah. He has these fun cars he's bought and, and still drives, which is fantastic. Wow. Wow. All right. Well, oh, that 15, 2015 GTI Autobahn six-speed. That was the one that it's he a- really, that was like the first one. He was like, this is actually fun. That was a couple of cars back. And that now he has an Elantra out. in, which is amazing. I mean, if I had my druthers, David, I would choose a BMW Z8. I mean, stop messing around with the Z4. I mean, it's like four times your budget. Come on, let's go right for the good stuff, right? But like I said, modern and classic, starting with a modern. I love your 4C Spider idea. Mm -hmm. It isn't a manual. I love the Z3 idea. That car and I really bonded. I like that little thing. I see it. They're both pretty small. I mean, Mm -hmm. I like the tight, small kind of thing because then you'd... Find roads. You'd be like, well, I wonder where that road Mm -hmm. goes. Let's go find out. We're here to find out, right? (laughs) I like that that would give you that option. But maybe we need to go a touch bigger. I don't know how much gear you're going to have with you, but you're, you know, Sam, pretty good size. Mm -hmm. So you want some good space. You want to be comfortable. It's not just we're going to be doing canyon driving all the time. You're going to spend some time on on interstates. Yes, you are. Absolutely. So it still needs to be kind of comfortable there. So I do love the Boxster for that reason. Mm -hmm. It just is such a right thing. I'm not super sold on it just because it seems so obvious. Okay. It's just so obvious. And I want you to have a twist on something. Mm -hmm. So I move over to the classic side of the the equation and I noodled this 3.2 Carrera Targa, like 84 to 89. They're 60 to 70 grand though. That's the problem. Like a nice Targa. I could see you guys rocking a Targa. It'd be fine. It'd run. If something ever happened, I'm sure you could find somebody that knows how to work on a Porsche. In the middle of nowhere, you can pull <laughs> off by a bush and there'll be somebody that'll be like, oh, that's an air-cooled 911. I can work on that. I could yeah, totally, totally got a parts yeah. right here. Mm-hmm. So I came up with two wild cards. One is okay. actually sort of viable. Well, I mean, it is viable. The other one is scary. 
Okay, love it. Good. Like Mount Everest, scary. Good, good. Like, like it. So the wild card that is both, it's modern and classic, is an E36 or E46 generation BMW M3 convertible. Those don't hold their value as well. You could probably get a deal. That's why I like it. They're fast. Yeah. They're fun. They're smallish still, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they're cheap. Mm-hmm. 18, 17 grand for fairly low miles on something that looks really nice. Mm. I searched Auto Tempest. I found a mm. lot of them. The E46 still, you know, a little bit newer. Yeah, I yeah, found yeah. some close to 40, but still that's well under your 55K budget. Yeah, it is. And you could turn that one around too, I bet. I like the idea of an M3 convertible, the mm. E36. Mm. It's still a small three series. Back when three, three, three series, you remember yeah, they were kind of sure. small cars. Mm-hmm. It's got a great engine in it, low miles. Most of them look like they've been puttered around in. They, they haven't been tracked. I mean, it's convertible. Mm-hmm. And it ha- it'll have that back seat that isn't useful for humans, but it is good for a little bit of extra stuff. True, yeah. You what have if a you stopgap measure for luggage or something buy you something buy. on the way. That's great. You know? It's really good, and yeah. You need a, you're going to throw your jackets and backpacks in the back right sure. behind you. Sure, yeah, yeah. The uh-huh. trunk will be for luggage, mm-hmm. but you're going to you're gonna kind of need a little bit of space. And still, it's an M3. It's one of the small, good M3s. Mm-hmm. So if you do find some twisties, you're equipped. Yeah, that's good. Choose your transmission. I was looking at like 18 to 25, that range. And I thought, that is perfect. It's still modern enough mm. where it's... You know, got a modern look and it's mm-hmm, got mm-hmm. modern amenities, that kind of thing. But it's kind of a classic now in a weird way. It's right in between. Mm, I like that. So I'll just mention my scary option. <laughs> okay. It's a Mondial. It's both scary and wonderful. A I agree Ferrari with you. Ferrari Mondial. Yeah. You okay. had a week-long road trip with your son in a Ferrari convertible. Uh, but you can't really just go buy Ferrari convertibles for that point that choice Mm. you got to find something that's affordable what's the affordable ferrari convertible that's a that's i see how you got there you could spend 55 and get yourself a mondial convertible get it sorted and Mm. i i bet you it'll probably just run it'll probably take that week-long road trip it's that's really scary but i take your point really scary it's very scary yeah but on the other hand wherever you guys stop whatever trip you're on imagine the questions you're going to get asked and imagine the photos you're going to take with yeah. you and your son in front of a Ferrari. Wow. Okay. I see it. There's That's a great wild card. I have a few things to share here, David, for you and Sam. I want to run through some of your list real quick, and then I want to circle back to the trip itself, which I'm, I'm so excited for you I guys. I like that you want to help plan the route. I, well, but you'll see why in a second. But here's <laughs> like the thing. This. The, you said the Miata's too small. I get that. So that gets you into other things. I also want to tell you this, and I say this as the Lotus Elise owner. I think the Alpha 4C is awesome, but I don't think it's big enough. I really yeah. don't think I, That's my bags. first choice. It's cool. I love it's that really option. cool, but it's not a manual, yeah. and it is little. And so I, mm, I, I think you're not going to have enough space in that. Again, I'm the guy that I've done 2,000 miles plus in my Elise. Granted, I was by myself. Yeah, it was so just it's you doable, in the car. But you're not going to have any extra space to work with. I don't want you guys to be on this road trip with backpacks at the passenger's feet. That just That's awful. That's yeah. not any yeah. fun at all. So you need bigger than that. The Viper we already talked about, I think it's great, but I think you'd enjoy a small convertible more. I think, I think the Viper is going to stress you out more. I, you may have some moments yes. of nirvana in the Viper because you can't believe you're driving it, but I think a lot of other times you're going to either be stressed or not sure about it or whatever. Deafening nirvana. Yeah, there's going to be deafening nirvana. There's there's absolutely that kind of thing. Um, I hmm, Thinking about all of this, my two favorites for you, actually three favorites, sorry, because you said C5 Corvette. I see your C5, but I raise you to C6, and I agree with Paul. Grand Sport Convertible. 
That's fantastic. That's fantastic. You would love that car. The C6 Grand Sport yeah. convertible has good amount of trunk space. It's got a lot of space in general. It'd be a fantastic long distance, high speed, just freeways car. Mm-hmm. You get on a great road, you're still going to love it. And if you get weather, the top fits and it seals and yes. you're, you're fine. So C6 Corvette Grand Sport, if you can do it, would be awesome. But my top two are a Boxster, which again has a front and a trunk, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and a Z4 BMW like I had. I like the Z4 a lot. And it, it is spacious enough, but it's right on the cusp for the week-long It is, trip. but here's the thing I remember. I was shocked by the trunk in that car. Because yeah, I could get good. two of our carry-on you know, overhead car, uh, camera cases. I could get two in that car, in the yeah, back. Yeah. And then I could put like backpacks in the corners. I was amazed by the space in that thing. So I think that the Z4 BMW is a great choice. I think the Boxster is a great choice. The thing is, those are cars you could buy, and if somebody has taken good care of it, I think you could just take this road trip and just go. I don't think you should think twice. I don't want you guys on the side of the road. Now, that has its own adventure, but I don't really want you guys on the side of the road. Right. So I think Boxster or Z4 gets this done. Again, C6 Corvette would be great. I want you to have convertibles with good space, good driving dynamics, and space for you guys in your luggage with both top up and top down. I have one wild card, and then I want to talk about route. Okay. (laughs) And the wild card is this, 300ZX, non-turbo T-tops. That's good. The non-turbo is not going to be as fun when you put your foot down, but it's going to be more reliable. And you're going to just be running on the freeway and just hanging out, cruising. and Get a manual I see that. non-turbo 300ZX as late in the model run as you can. You won't spend a bunch of money. You'll probably be able to get rid of it on the back end. It is classic and sporting and GT car all at once. That's really good, actually. Wild car. I do like that. But it's out there. Yeah. Now, let me, let me circle back. And I'm, I will probably get angry letters for what I'm about to say. But I want to circle back to the premise of your trip. We've run into this a couple times, and I'm forming an idea here, and I don't know that it's right, but I'm sure there'll be angry letters. I think that somehow in car culture in the Northeast, there perpetuates this golden nostalgia look at Route 66. Okay. Any of you listening, pull up Route 66 on a map. Look at where it actually goes. And first off, it takes a little bit of finding to get your way through there. But I think what's happened with Route 66 is we think that it's 2,000 miles of the movie Cars. Yeah. That's the impression that it gives. Yeah. And you guys want to go from Michigan, which is where it starts. You want to go from you know the tip of Michigan, essentially, down to do Route 66. But I'm going to list the states it goes through real quick. Okay. Okay. Illinois, Missouri, Oklahoma, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and out to the bottom of California to, to uh, Santa right. Monica. Right, right. Now, my problem is you've missed all mountains. That's you've missed point. everywhere in the West that has those jaw-dropping vistas. None of them are in those states. Yeah. And so yeah. what seems to happen is it has this nostalgia feel of, we should do Route 66. It's the mother road. It's going to be like the movie Cars. And you're going to be, I'm telling you right now, in the middle of Missouri or Oklahoma going, <laughs> seeing nothing. Yeah. I've driven these states. It doesn't mean there's not fun things along the routes. There's history. I get all that. But we're talking about an epic driving experience. Mm -hmm. You live in Michigan and you don't have that. You have to do the Rockies and you have to do the West. Yes. So. Yes. I don't know how much time you can take. I don't think a week's enough. But I'm going to give you high points and you guys plan your route. You want to send us an email? We'll route plan with you. I'm I'm that excited for you. Okay. But here's the thing. (laughs) Nice. Nice. You got to hit L.A. 
But Pacific Coast Highway, consider that. Pacific Coast Highway between L.A. and San Francisco, that's epic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You need to do Yellowstone. Jackson Hole to Yellowstone. And if you want to go even further, you can go across the top of Wyoming as we did, and you get into those great South Dakota roads. But the best road ever piece we just put out this year, that's just on the northern corner of Wyoming, just outside Yellowstone. But Yellowstone's gorgeous. Jackson Hole's amazing. Mm-hmm. But then you also, if you do Route 66, you miss all the great stuff in Colorado. You've missed the entire state. All of Colorado's got great stuff, epic stuff. I mean, of course, there's Million Dollar Highway that we've done, but there's a ton of other things you've never heard of that are every bit as good, almost. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Colorado needs to be on the list. But Jackson, Wyoming, and I mean, you could go all the way up to Glacier. You don't need to, okay? I'm talking the Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and the Yellowstone area. Pick an area of Colorado and go. There's a lot of good stuff in Utah, but I'm not even going there. You've got to hit the Rockies. I want you guys on some overlook with the car parked behind you and you're just standing there jaw dropped. And I'm sorry, but Route 66 is not it. So my recommendation is fly west. Arrange in advance for the car. Fly west by the car. Drive home. Go west. Okay, so David, we've narrowed things down to four cars for you. The Alpha 4C Spider, the Z4. We'll go with the Z4, the Boxster, Mm -hmm. or the Grand Sport Corvette. And two wild cards. 300Z or a Mondial, what are you going to pick? Wow. Let us know. Happy shopping. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're celebrating the new year with new products from Griot's Garage. Wintertime means you might be stuck inside, but you can still clean your car with ceramic rinseless wash. It lifts dirt, grime, and contaminants, and it leaves behind a ceramic shield that enhances water beating and self-cleaning ability. But if you are getting out the hose, Griot's now offers car wash pods. Just like the pods you use for the clothes washer, you drop one of these in your wash bucket for the perfect amount of soap. These car wash pods even work with your foaming sprayers too. Or if your winter project has faded trim, or you need to protect the trim on your car, try Satin Finish Ceramic Trim Restorer that renews those old trim pieces and is good for tires too. Plus, there's plastic all-in-one to remove fine scratches and swirl marks and restores dull plastic surfaces. Remember, all Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all liquid products are made right here in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code DRIVER10 for 10% off everything else on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Car debate number two was inspired from the first part (laughs) when we talked about (laughs) how uh, one of our listeners hated his wife's car. Mm -hmm. Celio R. writes to us because he also hates his wife's car. (laughs) So We're going to have a series of these podcasts. Welcome to part two. Celio has enjoyed our YouTube stories and podcasts. Celio, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. He has retired down in Miami, but just like Tom in Kansas City, he really doesn't like his wife's car, which is a 2016 (laughs) Touareg, the Volkswagen Touareg, Cayenne Light, with 90,000 miles. Okay. Wants to replace it with something other than an appliance SUV. He watched our recent YouTube review of that impressive Maserati Gricale Trofeo. He agrees, especially with the yellow paint. He says that episode was part of the reason for having the Gricale as one of their finalists for the Touareg replacement. Hmm. 
There's a lot of weird words in here. Yeah. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Gracale and Toreg at the same sentence, <laughs> and we're just confused. You're right. Modena, the mid-level Modena trim with a 325 horsepower mild hybrid Turbo 4 is now on their radar. Hmm. We did not drive it. We didn't, yes. One without that paint will drop your price to about 70 grand, somewhere in there. 70, 80 grand, which is <laughs> right, yeah. a lot less. Mm-hmm. Half. He thinks we sold the Gracali short by focusing or mocking on the Trofeo trim that is for hardcore and wealthy enthusiasts. It wasn't that that we were mocking so much because the trim level actually brings this thing to life and it mm, does what mm. high performance SUVs need to do. Yes, it's it just does. too expensive. We mm-hmm. we liked that it did. It was very impressive and fun to drive, but otherwise it's just a lot of money. So what do we think of that mid-level Modena trim? He's not tested it uh, yet either. Maybe he has by now. He says it looks like a sumptuous interior, spirited drive for reasonable money, but even useful as an SUV. Hmm. Their other finalist is the Genesis GV70 Sport with that 3.5T engine. Which is awesome. It is very awesome. But Celio drives the G70 Design Edition sedan Mm -hmm. with a 3.3 and... What a glorious mix of luxury and performance, he says. So we'd end up with two Genesis. That's right. the problem with that version. Is is you? Right. I think that is a fantastic choice, but you'd have Genesis next to Genesis. Yeah. He says the Genesis GV70 has virtually no weaknesses. It's amazing. But in his heart of hearts, Celia would love to say that he's owned a Maserati one day. Don't we all? <laughs> My friend Paul did that. <laughs> anyway, right. yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Did spend a year doing that. He says... Hopefully first for their modern respective respectable vehicles in a true brand renaissance. Mm. I agree. Celio, I'm yes to the Gracali Modena. I think it would okay. be awesome. Right. And you know what's more? I bet you a dealer would make you a deal on those. They might. Here, here's the key thing. This is absolutely a drive homework car debate here. You have to go drive it. And my big alt to you, I've got others, but my big alt to you is on the same day, the same day I need you to drive that Gracale and an Alfa Romeo Stelvio. Oh, true, yeah. Because they are yeah. platform mates, and I'm curious. Now, the Stelvio's yeah. interior is not as nice as the Gracale. I can say that right now, but I want you to drive Stelvio, them both. Stelvio, Gracale, Trofeo, Yes, Modena. what are we doing? Toreg. <laughs> what are these words? I like Cayennes a lot, Celio. I noticed it's not in your list. I just mentioned the word. But another alternative is a Volvo XC90 that I think you should consider. Oh, interesting. Okay. I think it's a breath of fresh air. Every time we get in the Volvo, it's sort of like, mm. yeah, this mm. is really great. Just, it's a great alt. It drives well. It's the, the materials are really high end, luxurious, mm. feels good. They're moderately sporty. I think that's something to consider if you haven't already. I'm, I'm yes to the Maserati. I, okay. I mean, I'm, I, I want you to have a Maserati. <laughs> Shocking. Too. I want you to have a Maserati keychain on the hook. There you go. I see it. I see it. Yeah. Grab that pickle fork keychain. Could well, but you could get a different key and you could put it in a Maserati. <laughs> Sorry, no, <laughs> being terrible. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. I I have other things for you to drive, Celia. I've got other ho- uh, homework. I mean, you say that your wife's car is the Cayenne Light. I don't. I don't know that I agree with you, but I'll get you away from that Touareg a little further and say you need to drive a sporty version of the Macan. It's the size of that GV70. Get a used Macan mm-hmm. for Gakali money, an S or possibly a GTS. If nothing else, go drive one and really ponder how does it feel different and the same than your Touareg? And how does it yeah. feel different yeah. and the same than the GV70? I love the GV70. I would totally back up that choice. Again, having the GV70 next to the G70 in the garage is a bit concerning. And now I'm concerned you're going to wind up with the same color on both. <laughs> right. And then you're that couple. <laughs> right. That's my concern. At fair, least you, fair. here, I will say this. If you buy both, I can't slight you because they're both great vehicles. 
please get different colors and please get colors. Please get colors. Okay, that's the side. Whatever note. you buy, make sure it is a color. But I have a wild card for you. Oh, good. BMW X3. Those are good. They're really good. I, and they're in they're in this lineup of what we're talking about. If you're going to really drive the Gracale and the Stelvio, you need to drive the BMW X3. And think about it in this whole pool with the GV70 and the Macan. Where are you? Because I feel like that's your size vehicle, and mm. one of those is going to work. We've got a review of that X40M on, mm. on our yeah, uh, we like test it. drive channel. Yes. Super engine, loads mm. of power. Yes, yes. Celio, thank you for writing. Thank you for following. Really appreciate it. If you've got a debate, a topic Tuesday, a car conclusion, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better. And dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. We got a great question in via email from Robert writing in from the UK. He's asking about driving in all weather. He said he has an FL5 Civic Type R. Great. So he just got that amazing thing. That's really cool. A Caterham 420R, which is a beast and incredibly fun. And Mm. a 2018 Discovery. So he said, of course, the Land Rover Discovery is yeah. the all-year car, and the Caterham is a track day car. The Civic, he realizes, hmm, I really ought to use that in winter. Yes, you should. But he said the UK roads get salted when the temps approach freezing, and he said he's just he's worried about it. The roads are occasionally dry, but so his Civic for now stays garaged in the winter, and his question is, would we do that too? And then he goes into a side thing going, I don't know what your salt usage is. I would like to just say this real quick. We live in the outskirts of Salt Lake City. Right. They do lots of salting. And <laughs> guess where they get it from? There's a ton of it here. And there is that discussion about, okay, what are we going to do? But, but I will say this. I drove an FRS for, through multiple winters. I drove that GR86 with you through a winter, mm-hmm. and I drove that 300ZX, which if anything was going to rust badly, it was going to be that 300ZX. Drove it a lot through a Park City winter with salt on the roads. I don't think you should be scared. I think you should get it washed regularly. Agreed. And I think Agreed. You, you can get those hose attachments where you connect the hose to the thing on the wheels that goes underneath your car with the, with the nozzles. Yep. Get one of those. Because the key thing you need to do is be constantly spraying that out of your car. Now, I'm not pretending that it will make no damage at all. But I think we all have this impression that if I drive the car in the winter and I get salt on it, in three or four years, it's going to look like moths got up in there and termites just ate my suspension. Look, that's something every car enthusiast wrestles with, Rob. Absolutely. We're always thinking about it too. And it depends on the car. I've spent time in Detroit and you see mm-hmm. a lot of the cheaper cars and how quickly they rust. And I think you'd be okay. You, yeah, the, there's more maintenance involved mm-hmm. with doing so. But also, like you said, if it's a drier day, things are not like that slurry, slushy, yeah, that's the magnesium worst. salt mm-hmm. kind of combo that they spray on the roads. You can drive the disco for that. But if it's a dry day, I mean, we've done that in the winter. Just mm-hmm. get the cars out. Absolutely. Cars yeah. need exercise. Yep. It's yep. cold but dry. Then that really makes a lot of sense. And I think you could do the same with the, with the Civic. Lots of great questions. I'm going to start here with Kirk's question on Facebook. Took me a while to think about it, but I think I landed on the right one. What car was the hardest to mount interior cameras into to get the desired shot? One I remember really struggling with was the Countach. That's a hard one. 
no matter what we did, we didn't get really the shot we wanted. We got a shot, mm-hmm, but it mm-hmm. was like, well, I guess that'll have to do. Drew on Facebook says, huh, uh, he's been following us for over a decade. Had no idea we had a second channel called the Test Drive channel. Yes, Drew, we do. That we, we a few years ago started this separate channel, and here was what happened. We started to get so many great press cars, but they were often a silver five-seat CUV, which there's a place for that. But on our original enthusiast comparison channel, the Everyday Driver channel, we watched that people just weren't watching that. We could see that in the analytics. So we broke it off. So our test drive channel is called youtube.com slash test drive videos. Or you can link from our normal stuff or from our everydaydriver.com website, any of the above. And that is Paul and I together, side by side. You've heard that audio re-released on Wednesdays here on the podcast. That's where that comes from. So we take any car that is sent to us by a manufacturer and we do a test drive with the two of us in it. They're typically about 18 to 20 minutes long. We would love to have you watch. And if, you, if somebody else listening right now has just learned what Drew did, we'd love to have you watching. M. Torn on Instagram says he lives in Connecticut and has a question slash debate. We like taking debates via email, but he's got an 18-year-old son, Anthony, at college, University of Rhode Island in mechanical engineering. He's currently got an old BMW 3 Series, a year 2000 with 257,000 miles on it. Wow, what's the maintenance on that been like? Anyway. On the other hand... He's got a BMW with 257,000 miles on it, and he yes. drives it around as a college I'm, kid. I think it's amazing, yeah. Like that. They think they should buy a, a used car to replace this for something under fifteen grand. Should they buy used, lease? They just want something reliable with good safety features, and his son, Anthony, would also like a manual transmission. Nothing too crazy. I mean, fifteen grand and used kind of keeps things from being mm-hmm. too crazy until Hellcats become fifteen grand. <laughs> and then lock that the door twice. That day is coming, everyone. Yes, uh-huh. But I feel like this rite of passage for everybody is like, I have to own a Honda manual, like some Civic or Accord or Mm. something because, yeah, you're right. I I feel like there's probably some bills that the BMW is chewing on, Mm -hmm. 257,000 miles. I mean, maybe it's fine, but it had to get sorted to get to the point to be fine. True, yeah. So I'm wondering about all of our usual suspects, the Toyotas and the Hondas that really do just run. Mm, and they're excellent mm. and they can be found with manual transmissions. I'm wondering if you spend a little bit more and get a 10th generation Civic SI. It's not bad. They started at 25 new. Mm-hmm. So could you get it for under 20, like 18? Interesting. Well, that'd be a cool, fun car. Still modern, safety features, good size, 10th generation Civic SI. That's good. I'm wondering uh, in all of these cases, what you're going to run into is what's the insurance consequences of the choices you're going to make. That's always a consideration. I'm going to say Mini Cooper. Uh, Fiesta ST would be great. That's the other end of the spectrum, but it's an incredibly chuckable, fun front-wheel drive car. And then another one you could look into for 15 grand, a first-gen Scion FRS or the equivalent Subaru BRZ. Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. typically don't have crazy insurance. It depends on the person and, and your and your provider, but typically those don't have crazy insurance. It's a really good, properly set up dynamic car without a ton of power, which helps for insurance, but manual transmission. Richard A. says, with the Pickle Fork GT in mind, if Toyota or Honda built a ridiculously expensive GT car like Maserati did, mm. what would need to be special and unique about it? Well, first, they'd need to sell it under the Lexus or Acura brands. <laughs> yeah. Did we learn nothing <laughs> Step from one. the Phaeton? The Lexus LC500 is so beautiful and super cool and way too heavy. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they applied their lightweight driving kind of thinking, like you apply S2000 Mm. thinking to a larger GT car, or you apply, you know, like Supra or GR86 kind of thinking to a larger GT car. 
of course it would have to have high-end materials and be beautiful inside and gorgeous, achingly beautiful styling, but it'd have to be timeless kind of styling. The LC500 is kind of that. It is. I kind of have already done that. Yeah, that's great. Even though the Maserati Gran Turismo is another hundred grand on top of an LC500. hundred plus, yeah, it's crazy. So that's, uh, that's crazy. It would have to have more value than the Italians or Germans or any European car mm-hmm. would offer. Mm-hmm. That's what would set it apart. Mm-hmm. Price, amenities, power, and if it were lighter and drove really well, that's compelling. The Bruce B on Instagram says, what happened to a good tan interior? Why is everything now black or some sort of gray or white? Bruce, I agree with you. Totally. Tan interiors are awesome. They haven't gone away completely, but they're becoming harder and harder. I feel like very few people spec a tan interior. So the used market, it's really difficult. And I'm truly astonished. We've been talking about this recently about a couple of cars we've got. And I'm truly astonished how many manufacturers now offer an interior that is close to white. Have we learned nothing? I mean, I mean, <laughs> no seriously, kidding. It, 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 I'll tell you what happens to any no white kidding. interior. It looks terrible in a week because you get in and out of it with blue jeans or, or something that's a dark color. And it just, I don't care who made it. It just rubs off on those seats in a way that a dark interior never does. And honestly, here's what's crazy. In a way that most tan interiors seem to not show either. Tan interiors still show it, but a white interior, gray interior, we get stuff sent to us from manufacturers all the time where it's like, this is the interior color? We just had a Tacoma with like a, a slate gray, like a really light gray. Mm-hmm. And that was fine for the week we had it. But I just thought, you're going to take this in the mud. You're going to take this off road. Your dog's going to get in this. Mm-hmm. How yeah. are you going to keep this clean? Yeah, agreed. Bullfrog Brown 88 has a car designer question. With a new year, some states roll out new license plate designs. Mm. For example, in Minnesota, where Bullfrog lives, they brought out a handful of new plates, including a blackout plate. He's currently got a 23 Camry SE in silver with Minnesota loon plates on it. He's looking at getting that new blackout plate and is thinking that with the contrast and colors, it would make it look better. You're absolutely right. But there has never been any conversation between the color and trim people at car companies and license plate people. (laughs) I don't think one knows the other exists. (laughs) Not even sure those two departments are on the same planet. Yeah. Wouldn't that be interesting yeah, yeah. for these teams to get together and instead of the custom license plate being based on something that's state-related, it was related to mm. the, a limited palette from Toyota mm. and a limited palette from Mazda and a limited palette from Aston. And you could kind of get some, I'm not saying match the color, I'm saying get a nice contrast. So if you've oh, got sure. a... You know, a sophisticated green on your car, you could do something opposite, just like a look a nice, at the paint flake in your license plate. And, and seriously, <laughs> but that begs the question: Should we paint our license plates, or will we get pulled over for that? We'll uh, probably, probably get pulled over. Yeah, we'd get pulled over. Dang it! Eddie Murphy says, "How much of the buying public do we really think buys a car for how they drive versus styling and features?" Eddie, I recently, well, not that recently, but in the last few years have been reading stats about the fact that I think it's 40% of buyers of new cars, 40% do not do a test drive prior to buying. They bought on something other than test drive. Now, let me flip it around though. The average person buying is buying to sit in traffic. They're not buying because anything on their normal radar exists. I'm going to drive this for fun and go somewhere cool. They're going to do errands and they're going to sit in traffic. So at that point, what matters is, do I like how it looks and does Apple CarPlay work? I mean, Mm. oh, look, this has heated seats. Mm -hmm. I hate that this is reality, but I would bet you it's less than 10% of car buyers are concerned with how the vehicle drives. 
Speaking of that, over on Instagram, Parmalat says if you had to make a choice between purchasing a new car or purchasing a week at a high-performance driving school, which would it be? That's an expensive driving school, by the way. <laughs> yeah, or a very cheap car. Yeah, one of the two, yeah. Hmm. I would choose the high-performance driving school because just because you have a new car doesn't mean you got better as a driver. That's a good point. You just have a new tool. Yeah, fair point. I handed you a different instrument, but you didn't get better with the old one, and you're you're still playing it the same on the new one. What about a slightly cheaper car and a one or two day driving school? See, now there's a good compromise because the the driving school will make you a better driver, regardless of the car that you get. Use new, Uh expensive, cheap. It will make you find that personality and the edges of the car more confidently and more safely. I like that better, but I want you to have a new car too. So where's the compromise? Isaiah Smith and his wife said uh, they have been following along for the show for a while. She was shopping for an SUV and they got a GR86. Have you listened to this podcast? (laughs) I like this. This is great. It's very, very good. Of course, now that means they get a track day. They're going to go out to Watkins Glen for the track day part of the Toyota experience. They're very excited about it. They have never driven on a track before, and now they're a little concerned. Should you bring your own helmet? They're bound to have them. Should you get track insurance, or what insurance should you get? You, uh, I think for your first day, you could take the risk. Mm. Ask about the structure of the day. But what I'm suspecting is you're going to be in a beginner group, and I'll tell you right now, the beginner group is going much slower than they appear to be. Mm, and yeah, yep. a good beginner it depends on who runs it I'll tell you who runs the best track days out there and that's hooked on driving okay but depending upon who runs it all right it's going to depend on who runs the day and how they run it but I think it's a NASA day is what Watkins Glen uh, the, the Toyota thing that they give I think is a free day at NASA which is going to be very good as well but any of these HPDE groups is going to run groups based on experience you're newbies which means you're going to have an instructor with you You're not just going to be like, well, have fun. So rent a helmet there, get an instructor with you, listen to them, understand that you're going to not be going nearly as fast as you think you are. You're going to think you're at the edges of your car instantly, and you won't be. You're going to think you're braking as hard as you possibly can, and there's more braking available. This is what happens on a first day on a track. I'm not sliding you or anybody else. It's just this is the first day experience. Trust that instructor. I would say instructors are more important than track insurance. Mm. If you, if, I will say this flip side though. If the peace of mind of being there is on the tip of the knife for track insurance, then get it. If all you're going to think about all day when you're there is, oh, what if something, then get track insurance. Yeah. But the instructor is the key. On Facebook, Stephen Mulvaney says, track daily crush for driving series, for race series, Formula One, WRC, and DTM. Track is watch once in a blue moon. Okay. Daily is stream anytime and crush is never be able to watch it ever again. I will say I would like to stream Formula One just because I'm a Formula One. Mm-hmm. I, I'm mm-hmm. an enthusiast, even though you can argue all day long. And I agree. There's many times it's really boring. But WRC would be watch once in a blue moon. I just tend to turn tune out, even though I respect it highly. And mm-hmm. I think it's the better drivers in that series. Mm. And DTM... Eh, I, I'm not all there. I, there's other series that I would watch, but I will up your game here, Stephen, and say, <laughs> how about particular races? You know, we compare mm. Daytona, Le Mans, and Monaco F1 Grand Prix or something. Like it. You know, like track it. daily crush for those. So I'd, I'd probably watch Monaco anytime. I'd probably watch that a lot. <laughs> I'd probably watch Le Mans over Daytona. I definitely would. 
Mr. McGillicuddy says uh, he's heard that Mazda is talking about reviving their rotary development. He said he hates to be a pessimist, but uh, for a small automaker like Mazda, is this a good idea? And is it necessary? He can't imagine there's been much development since the RX-8. A couple things going on. The problem with the RX-8 engine, it, it worked mostly. Uh, we knew plenty of people that had RX-8s that, oh, I'm on my first engine. The guy next to him was like, I've done three in 100,000 miles. I hate to say it, but it definitely happened. This, I don't know why. I really don't understand why, Mr. McGillicuddy, but this is Mazda's ongoing science project. Mm-hmm. And somebody at Mazda cannot let it go. <laughs> they can't let it go. And, and if you've ever That's seen the point. cutaways of how a rotary engine works, it is truly fascinating. And when you drive one, they are incredibly smooth, and the amount of revs that they do is intoxicating. I agree with all of that. But I also agree that for Mazda keep like beating this, and, oh, we got another. Really? The thing I have heard, and this is the rumor mill now, is that the way they're going to bring it back is as the power plant for a hybrid system. Yeah, it's a different usage. And case. that would actually make sense from a potential reliability standpoint. But then what you're missing is the fun of revving that engine because it's just going to do whatever it does to charge the battery. I, I really think Mazda could let this go. And I, I think this is one of those, um, the internet mob is bigger than reality moments because the internet would be like, can't believe Mazda let the rotary go. And then you could ask the internet, how many of you owned a rotary? And there'd be like one in a thousand. Yeah, true. Although I wonder if Mazda makes it engineers it in such a way that it, it could be repurposed wink wink nudge nudge to drop into the car of your choice and the mounting points just magically are the same and <laughs> actually now it could become your real power plant <laughs> guys thank you for all your questions we really appreciate it write to us everydaydrivertv at gmail.com looking forward to hearing hearing from you and we're always looking forward to next time cheers everyone cheers